aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator's enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Rebel Lions podcast. Today is episode number 59, I believe. I believe. Uh, no, that was yesterday. Today is 60, episode 60, and we're going to be talking about cracking the code about PMA memberships or PMA um, private membership associations and questions. So uh, thank you for joining today. These are questions from the Facebook group, Telegram, and I'm going to pull up uh, the YouTube chat here um, from questions that have been posted on other uh videos and I'm going to answer those and then go back and answer them uh, with text also. So that being said, let's take care of, I got wires everywhere as usual. I really got to figure out a better, better situation here for the wires. But uh, anyways, grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit down, relax, or if you're driving, uh, thanks for listening while you're driving or listening to the audio version of this podcast. And let's get some of the housekeeping out of the way. First things first, we have uh, some updates on the websites. Um, East Coast PMA is still down. It, well, it's up, but there's crap code all over the place, basically. Uh, so uh, if you need to purchase anything from the East Coast PMA website, please feel free to reach out to me directly so we can make that happen. Uh, also, the PMA Manifesto website is back up. So if you are looking for... Uh, DIY templates, if you're looking for more information on associations and the right thereof, feel free to go over to the PMA Manifesto, and hopefully this week the East Coast PMA will be back up and running, and uh, the, all the content hopefully has been backed up properly, so it'll be there. Also, uh, if you're like me and you're looking to lead a more free life without an intrusive, tyrannical government breathing down your neck all the time and looking at what you're doing, especially online when it comes to uh, big tech and how they use all of our data. Not only is using a VPN very smart, but you can also get a system over at Start9 and get your own server up and running and they don't take up a lot of space. It allows you to have end-to-end -end encrypted uh, text messaging through your association members or your family or anybody else you wanna give access to. It allows you to have your own web browser that is not being filtered. And you can also run different lightning nodes and do different things with Bitcoin. Now, that may not be for everybody, but if you're looking to limit how much is being tracked online of what you do, that is definitely one way of going about it. And if you use the code Rebel Alliance, all one word, you will get 9% off of that system when you buy it. So that being said, um, we are a little late today. I try to do these around 1 p.m., but things have been a little crazy, as you all know. And uh, I'm going to turn on the comments here. Uh, so, uh, as always, uh, everything you hear on this channel or on these talks or with the interviewers, uh, people that we interview, uh, when we have those is that none of it constitutes legal or tax advice. It's just one person's opinion. And I always highly suggest that you always go and research yourself to make sure what I'm telling you is the truth. Uh, you know, I do back everything up with what I say, uh, with documents and stuff like that, that were written by people way smarter than me, but I also don't want you to think, you know, don't take it for, uh, you know, don't take it at face value. Everybody should always do their own research and, uh, and verify. So that being said, there was a few things before we dive into the, the questions here from the different groups is, uh, some of the stuff that has been going on in the news, especially we, you know, we, we talked a few weeks back about the border and how it's wide open and the federal government fighting with Texas over the small piece of border, which anybody could cut with a pair of scissors probably, and the rest of the border and the nation's open, not only the uh, southern border, but also the northern border, which we're gonna we're gonna see in one of these topics. So, uh, again, yesterday I had mentioned this that uh, you know I'm in Connecticut, and so we got Massachusetts above us, New York below us. So I get to you know see and hear about all the garbage coming out in New York when you know the kids were kicked out of school, so illegal uh, immigrants could stay there, illegal aliens could stay there, and now in uh, Massachusetts, uh, this is from. Uh, NBCBoston.com, Boston 10 up there. Migrant family host Haiti um, from Haiti shares experience finding host home in Brookline. So basically what they've done is they have 
opened their home uh, for a migrant family from Haiti. And basically, instead of them living, I think they were in, uh, they were sleeping at uh, the floor of Boston Logan International Airport. And they had some children. Uh, I guess one was in the hospital, a two-year-old who got very sick. And so this lady opened up her house and said, sure, come live with me, because that's what um, the... Um, the uh oh where is her name uh basically the uh the people uh to do up in boston there uh i i don't know if it was the mayor or governor of massachusetts i can't remember now uh off the top of my head i'm looking real quick through the uh through the uh news article here but anyways i'll throw it up here in the chat for you so if you want to see this uh article you can read it for yourself but basically because they have nowhere else to post uh to host these individuals uh because they're getting shipped up from the southern borders instead of you know these southern states instead of turning them around and sending them back across the border they're sending them to other states to to deal with the uh the nonsense so not only did we have that but we had in uh midland uh let's see ice holds a hit and run suspect and uh basically in midland texas uh let's see this was on february 8th this is a little bit older but uh basically a guy was involved in a hit and run this uh individual named ortiz and basically he is on the immigration uh he's on an immigration detainer and he was sent back to mexico on a voluntary removal and he's been deported five times and then he hit he uh, was involved in a hit and run killing a child, a 10-year-old boy, uh, died because of this illegal immigrant being allowed to stay in our country and our borders being open. And now some father and mother are not going to be able to tuck in their 10-year-old anymore because of this asshat that came over across the border and was deported five times. And, you know, this stuff is just everywhere. And it's it's amazing how it's not being talked about in mainstream news and I, again i'm going to tie this all to associations like i always do but um you know we have another one here uh up uh this is from uh boston again uh the uh enforcement and removal operations uh reo from boston had picked up a another individual um from Honduras, who is wanted on drug distribution and other charges in his home country, but uh, he is up uh, in Boston and he's been in the United States. Let's see, he was removed from the United States in January of 06, twice in June of 13, February of 15, July of 15, February of 2016. He has uh, he has been convicted of DUIs, assault and battery, unauthorized use of the vehicle, illegal entry, disorderly conduct, drug trafficking, and uh, a whole bunch of other things. Uh, he is part of the 18 branch uh, of the 18th Street Gang. And if you don't know who they are, look them up. They're pretty nasty people. But again, here is somebody. He has uh, six separate occasions that he has been dealt with and removed from the country. But because our borders are wide open and our clowns in the people's white house say that there's no issue. These are the things that people have to deal with. And this is why I, you know, um, the wife and I used to go to New York, um, every once in a while. I, we haven't, I haven't been to New York since last year. I took one of the kids ice skating at Bryant park. And that was even just sketchy doing that. Like it has gotten so bad that I don't know why people would even want to go to these cities anymore. And then we have another one out of, uh, out of, uh, Boston. And, uh, this guy, let's see, uh, the ERO from Boston arrested uh, previously removed Mexican citizen convicted of child rape and prostitution charges. So, again, um, our, our kids are being targeted at many different levels. And, you know, these these borders are wide open. And actually, um, I think this is the one that came in through the northern border. Or was it the guy before him? I forgot. But um, I'll throw these in the chat for you if you guys want to. If you guys want to see this stuff and, and read it for yourself, because I always want you to to verify everything. And uh, there you go. There's that one. And then here's the other one. It's just amazing that this stuff is happening and it's not being talked about anywhere. And let's see. All right. And then in, as always, if you guys have questions uh, while, while we're going through this, feel free to drop those in the chat. Or if you want to give a shout out where you're watching from, that sort of thing, that would be awesome also. So why am I talking about this stuff? Well, one, because it really uh, upsets me that um, one, children are being targeted, two, our borders are wide open and are running amok, and we're more concerned about 
uh, a proxy war in Ukraine and, you know, securing their borders than taking care of our own people and securing our own stuff. And then, uh, you know, don't even get me started about the, uh, the veteran who was kicked out of his housing for illegal immigrants up in New York. So that being said, why am I bringing this, you know, why am I bringing this up? Because we need to start having more associations locally get started, whether, it, you know, it's, you know, just for community building, or maybe it's to help each other learn different life skill sets, whether it's permaculture, uh, you know, gardening at a real basic level, getting started to somebody that can show you how to, you know, change brakes on your car, you know, and, and it, I think it's going to, you know, we all, well, I shouldn't say we all, but the majority of the people that I talk to are all looking for that parallel economy. And, you know, uh, Gab has their new Gab Pay. I think it's called Parallel. You have Liberty Dollar. You have uh, crypto, Bitcoin, Lightning payments. There's all these different aspects. But I think what we really need is to start having these associations get formed, bringing people together and not just coming together to, to, to bitch and moan about things, but to say, hey, listen, let, let's let's actually forth a way to make some change even if it's just at a small micro level within your own community you're now getting together with other individuals you know and they don't have to be you know uh wanting to live off the land or you know uh, an anarchist or anybody a libertarian or a conservative maga they could be from any walk of life but because they want to learn how to do let's say gardening and you're holding classes and you're building a community based on how to be more self-sufficient, you're going to bring these people in and maybe they have something that they can, you know, uh, give to the group, right? Because nobody's going to be coming in and, and freeloading in any of these associations. Um, you know, the way I see them being set up is because everybody's going to have their part. Everybody's going to be learning something. Everybody's going to be teaching somebody else. It's building that community, having those transactions going from member to member, whether it's buying dairy, beef, eggs sourdough bread i don't know we you got a, a a good line on coffee that you can get at wholesale and get it to your members that you know are uh you know it's better than what you get in the grocery store and and being able to put all this stuff together and the reason why i say this is because our country unfortunately i mean we are more concerned about everybody else except our own people and taking care of ourselves and taking care of this nation they're more concerned about flooding our our country with all these illegal uh, aliens. And it's not like they're sending doctors and lawyers over here. They're not sending medical professionals. They're sending criminals. They're sending, uh, you know, the people they don't want to deal with. Hey, go to the U S the borders are open. Get out of here. We'll keep our, you know, uh, our, our people within our community that are providing an actual, uh, resource or actually helping build the community, but all the other, you know, um, uh, extremists or people that have obviously criminal records, you know, like we just saw, send them over to the U S because their borders are open. And I think we really need to start um, worrying about things at a micro level within our communities and building these associations and making it so we can get people to come together and say, okay, here's an association here. Here's an association there. This association deals with farming. This one deals with maybe it's hunting or firearms or, you know, um, you know, fishing, those types of things. Maybe it's like, you know, bushcraft stuff, you know, like uh, you see some people in the in the remote sections of Alaska and stuff that they, they live off the land. Or maybe it's one, you know, maybe it is one that's more a little bit politically driven where they get together as groups and they go speak out of town halls, all those things. Because I don't think we're going to see anything change unless we start building these communities together. And then if we start getting thousands of people together in multiple different associations, we're then going to have that power of non-compliance and just be like, you know what? Yeah, we're not doing that. So thanks for the offer, but we've got our parallel community here. We've got things that we, you know, handle at our own level. And that's why, you know, like yesterday we were talking about different uh, legalese that deal with the unincorporated association and how they're, how they work and how disputes are handled and that sort of thing. And I think it's really important, you know, again, like I've always said, you could just have a group of people get together, but it's better to have your own bylaws, your constitution, whatever you'd like to call it, your articles of organization, because then you're more structured. You can then have ways of dealing with things because eventually you're going to have that one guy or girl that comes in. It's like, you know, just a bad apple. And you need to say, okay, well, maybe this isn't for you and you got to go. And there's got to be ways to, you know, have, uh, the ability to move, remove these people. So that being said, um, 
hey dustin thanks for coming in from tennessee um yeah you definitely uh catch up uh with the replay thanks for uh thanks for coming by and um so that being said, um, I wanted to answer some questions today about associations because I think the more information we get out there, the more education we have about associations and the right thereof and how to build these communities and how to do different events. And again, you know, we could sit and watch Netflix all day. We can go to happy hour. We can, you know, do all these other things. And I know some people work two or three jobs and, you know, money's tight for a lot of people right now. People are carrying a lot of credit card debt. People are defaulting on that debt. That's why I also think multiple streams of income are very important. So, you know, there's things that I do that bring in extra money into the household that, you know, I had to put a little bit of, you know, uh, time and effort in originally, you know, a little part-time stuff here when I had a few minutes, nothing that I was like, Hey, I'm quitting my job tomorrow and I'm going to do this. But it was a way for me to start having that residual income, which I think a lot of people, once they kind of get a taste of it and they're like, okay, I can do this. I can provide a little, um, you know, uh, resources or services to certain people. I get paid a certain amount on all these resources that people use. And it's really easy for me to set them up with a website and they come to your website, they log in, they, they get whatever services, whether it's electricity, internet, home security, that sort of thing. And I got into it originally, uh, being a real estate agent, uh, for the last seven years, uh, you know, I thought, Hey, this is a great way to, to, to bring in some extra income after the sale, because every month I get a check based on, you know, uh, the number of services that people pay for. And I just thought it was a great way. So if you are interested in more of that, you know, I don't want to pull up a whole video on that, feel free to reach out, leave a comment, and I'll point you in the right direction. So that being said, let me pull up my questions here from the different groups. And um, yeah, so we'll go more into detail if you are thinking of setting up an association, how you can actually um, grow that association. Like we have a potluck coming up for our members at Liberty House, and we're going to have a members meeting. And we're going to just you know get together. We haven't seen each other for a while because of the cold weather here in, in New England and the snow and stuff like that. You know, people are a little less active going out. And you know, if you get a big group of people together, you got to make sure you have a place to go. So um, you know, we'll dive into that, how to run an association a little bit more and ideas of what you can do to facilitate all those people coming together for that common goal. So the first one I have here is uh, Farmer Kelly from Facebook. And I think this is from East Coast PMA. Um, the other ones I wrote down, it says, uh, we have a PMA at a local farm here in Connecticut. And I have a question about our paperwork. We have an advisor out of California who seems wonderful. However, I was advised by another PMA in Connecticut to call this uh, Mr. Scott in Colorado. I have no idea who he is uh, to have our paperwork changed over to a 508 status. Is this necessary? It sounds good, except there's a huge push for money, which made me a little uncomfortable. So you will see that most of these individuals that do associations that are outside of the two Angelas and Erica and myself. So the ladies over at the PMA manifesto myself here. Uh, we are all uh, the ones that came out with the PMA manifesto that really shed a lot of light on the myths and um, misunderstandings about unincorporated associations. And what this person is telling you to do is to set up uh, uh, 508 is not a status. It's not a thing. It's code. It's tax code, basically or it is tax code, and it falls under the 501c3. So if you were to be a have this tax code status or the tax status of a 508c1a entity, you would have to be a church, synagogue, or mosque. Uh, they use the term church to kind of cover all those things, temple, anything like that. It's not a ministry. It's not a faith-based organization or anything like that. It actually has to be a church and function like a church. And we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, Farmer Kelly, if you're watching this or listening, uh, that there have been people that have ended up in IRS tax, uh, IRS court. Uh, there are people have uh, ended up in uh, a civil court where they had bought this church online and uh, they were using all the money for personal inurement, which you can't do. There's a whole bunch of uh, rules and regulations of way to operate a 508C1A type church or a free church, as we call them here or on the PMA manifesto. So having that you have a farm, unless your church is a farm, it really wouldn't work. They're just pushing it because somebody, uh, whoever this guy Scott is in Colorado, probably just wants some more uh, money. And, you know, um, I don't know who the other uh, 
person is in Connecticut that has a PMA, but depending on where you go, they will charge you anywhere from I've seen $200 to $10,000. And a lot of the things that I've seen have been garbage. I've seen the $10,000 paperwork and in, it was for a person in Texas and it referenced the Vermont constitution. Don't know why, if you're not in Vermont, it really doesn't apply to you. So just be very careful where you're at. If you want, you can always schedule a call with me or jump on one of these lives or the PMA manifesto with the ladies over there. We do a monthly call uh, once a month for free. It's usually about a 45 minute to an hour call. We try to do 30, but it never happens. So hopefully that answers your question. You don't need to uh, change any paperwork or anything like that. I don't know who did your paperwork. I would advise that you have somebody else look it over because I've been in the process of redoing a lot of uh, association paperwork because the stuff that people have paid good money for is basically toilet paper. So that being said, uh, this comes from Jen from Facebook. Uh, please clarify my understanding as long as you file the SS4 form, which is for an EIN from the uh, IRS and you have an EIN number, your articles of incorporation is what makes you a 508. Uh, no, that is not correct. Again, uh, this 508 stuff gets pushed a lot online as an entity. You have destiny 508. I think is one of them. You have some of these other places that, um, uh, really just want to push this whole tax-free thing. Like, listen, we all know taxes are robbery. We all know it's theft. Nobody likes paying taxes. Uh, you know, I, for one, wish I had the parallel economy where I just be like, yeah, I'm not paying for anything anymore and taxes and whatnot. But, you know, we bought a house. I had to get a loan from the bank, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm still kind of tied in, trying my hardest to get to that parallel economy. But anyways, with the 508, again, it is tax code. It is not a status or anything like that. It's just saying that you as a church are exempt automatically from the IRS based on a 508C1A tax code. And that tax code uh, explains exactly what you need to do in order to be you know, in compliance if you're going to be asking for permission from the IRS to be tax exempt. Uh, it's not something that a lot of people can use because they're not actually running churches. Some might have a ministry like we have Liberty House Ministries. You know, some people might have, you know, a faith based association where it's more of like a, a group of believers or people that have a, a belief in a higher park uh, power or a grand architect get together and talk about, you know, religious things and how they can, you know, maybe have a, a more positive impact in their local community. So. Be very careful if you hear somebody saying, hey, well, you can run your plumbing business as a 508C1A because your faith is in the plumbing gods. And because you have that, you know, the IRS uh, will say you're tax exempt. Now, granted, the government's not going to come and tell you whether your um, your uh, sincere held belief is, is true or not. They're going to want to see that you're operating properly. And then you could pray to the rock in your backyard. But if you're not meeting the 14 points that the IRS looks at to see that you're a bona fide church, you're not going to fall under the 508C1A um, category. So hopefully that helps. Uh, let's see. This is Kelly N from the Manifesto Group. Is a PMA appropriate for a business as a virtual assistant? I don't really think so personally. Um, I don't have a lot to go on. It's a pretty short question. But that being said, uh, I think that, you know, if you are looking to be a virtual assistant, there's better vessels, I guess is the best way to put it, than using an association because uh, I don't know what your reason for association would be. Uh, you do have to have that common goal of two or more people coming together to have the the association. So uh, I, I kind of touched on this yesterday. We will be talking about unincorporated businesses uh, in a little while and, uh, and hopefully this week and how the legal system looks at those. So if you don't want to have an anonymous LLC out of Wyoming, which we have one here for the homestead, I think they're great, you know, because maybe you don't want to register, you know, who the owners of that are with the new IRS or the new federal um, website. I got to really write that down because I keep forgetting the name of it. And it's basically the same information that's at the state level. So, you know, um, so they can target conservatives probably is what they want it for. Um, but, you know, there are other vessels that you could use. I, I mean, personally, if you were just starting off as a, vir a virtual assistant, um, I might be able to use your services. Uh, I've had a virtual assistant before in the past. and It was great for my real estate business. But maybe just starting off as a um, sole proprietorship, something like that, if you're not really worried about uh, being sued or anything like that, you may not need to spend the money on an LLC. If you did use an anonymous LLC, then, you know, I would say do it out of 
uh, Wyoming. It's like 160 bucks with a registered agent. And uh, it's very quickly uh, and easily done online. And then uh, if not, then maybe you want to look at an unincorporated business trust. But I don't know if that's necessary either, uh, depending on how long you've been doing this for and the type of assets and that sort of thing. So hopefully that helps. Uh, Lolita, I hope I got that right. This is also from the Manifesto Group. The Manifesto Group, I got to say, is pretty active. If you're not on there on Facebook, jump on there. Uh, Erica admits people every Wednesday. So... uh, I think she might have already done it today because today is Wednesday. Oh, and happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Totally forgot to say that off uh, the beginning. Uh, Hopefully you uh, got your cards and all that fun stuff. Crappy, crappy waste of money. I don't know. I still get cards for the wife and stuff, but I just just think, you know, it's just one of those, eh, you you shouldn't need one day to tell somebody how much you love them, you know, that sort of thing. Anyways, back to the question. Hi, everybody. I need to open, uh, I need to open ASAP and, LLC, PMA, and eventually a nonprofit for an Ogla, South Dakota native Indian for his spiritual practices all over the U.S. His address is in PA at this point. I know how to open a simple LLC, but I do not know how to do the PMA in the same time. About the nonprofit, I have multiple questions because it's it is not and will not be a church. Their original original spiritual way of life do not qualify like a church, and we do not want to change it. I really appreciate all the input and maybe a private conversation with me and him. Thank you. Yes, so this is definitely something because I have a bunch of questions about this anyways, um, but I'll try to give you like the 30,000-foot view if you're watching uh, because I uh, I don't think I posted this in the manifesto group that I was going live today. But anyways, hopefully you can see the replay. But um yeah, you could definitely open up the LLC again. Like I would say, do it in Wyoming. You don't have to be from Wyoming. It's just, you know, I like the whole uh, uh, privacy aspect of it. Um, being native, uh, native, let's see, Dakota native, uh, let's see, spiritual practice of the U.S. You could have a PMA set up. It could be nonprofit. I would point you to the Unincorporated Nonprofit Association Act. That really lays out how um, associations that are nonprofit are looked at and treated. Um, You could be a 501c7, which is a social club. Um, But again, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that. So um, yes, you you don't have to be a church. You don't have to... uh, try to fall under the uh, 508C1A tax code. If you're looking to do something that is spiritual, there are other ways of doing it. Um, but um, I would need to know a little bit more. Uh, being a native Indian, I would think that there's some st- stuff based on uh, if it's run out of a reservation or not. I'm not quite sure on that. I'd have to look into that more. But I would think that there's got to be some um, some aspect of protection, uh, being that they are native American. Um, that being said, or native, uh, Indian, uh, that being said, um, I guess, yeah, you, I guess you could do the, the simple LLC or, you know, have the, have the LLC set up to handle any of the, the, uh, funds or transactions, stuff like that, and then have the association in the background. Uh, You could definitely do something like that, but I would definitely take a look at the Unincorporated Nonprofit Association Act. You can find it just by doing a quick search uh, online. I would point you to East Coast PMA to download a copy, but again, that site is still a dumpster fire. So uh, hopefully that helps. Uh, I do have other questions. So if you would, uh, if you're over at the PMA manifesto, you can find my information over there or any of the, uh, Angela's or Erica, they'd be able to answer stuff for you too. Uh, I think that, um, you know, just like, is this going to be online? Is like, how's it going to be facilitated? I guess is kind of some of the other questions, but anyways, uh, I don't know if that helps much, but yeah, you can definitely set things up and do things, um, as a nonprofit, um, without having to be under the 508 C1A tax code. All right, so this came in from uh, Freddie from the Manifesto Group. Initially, my interest in PMA was that I could privately contract with members to deliver services that would otherwise not be permitted to be offered to the public without specific licensing by state boards. After reading the Manifesto, I was conv- it's, it has convinced me this is not the case that 
if I did make offerings to members of my PMA that were otherwise prohibited to be offered to the general public without uh, censor, I could be stripped and even legally prosecuted for such at the whim of the government agencies. Seems like the Amos Miller case in PA is proof of this. I have been buying raw dairy from him for health purposes for some time, yet now he's prohibited from selling these to me by PA authorities who claim it's against public health guidelines, et cetera. So, uh, all right. So let me take a, I don't know what you're going to be offering the, the public. And as long as it's not illegal, it is, it's something you can do within an association between you and your members. And the biggest problem is um, the government, whether it's local or federal, are not going to like that you're doing something and having that self-custody that uh, the, um, the ability to meet with your members and to act as a, uh, a republic and do things that are to the benefit of your members. So you are going to be tried. You are going to be challenged. And the thing with Amos is his association was very large. It's what we would consider an expressive association. And the government has more of an interest in expressive associations and what goes on. However, if you have an intimate association, smaller members, maybe you have a couple different associations set up and it's between you, them and the fence post, there really shouldn't be any issue from the government coming and knocking on your door um, for whatever it is you're doing. Now, if you're doing something completely legal, then that's a different story. Like you've heard me say on here a hundred times before, if you're running a brothel, that's not allowed in your area. If you're selling fentanyl and you're telling people, Hey, you can cure a headache with this. That's a different story. Those are all illegal activities and, um, they're not lawful. So, uh, the government can come in with their police powers and say, Hey, for the better interest of the people, we need to shut this down because you're violating these Laws. And this is where we see a lot of pushback with education associations is because, one, they're not in a school. These education associations are not licensed. We see a lot of pushback because now it's, oh, for the best interest of the children. Oh, this could happen. Oh, because we don't have our hand in the cookie jar being a regular uh, uh, part of the government that regulates things. Now we have to make sure that, you know, uh, there could be uh, harmful things happening to these children, even though it could be, you know, uh, a, a group of families on the street and one, you know, mother or father takes all the kids and educates while the rest of the parents go to work. So, um, yeah, don't, I don't want anybody to, to, you know, associations have their place. Unincorporated businesses have their place. Unincorporated business trusts have their place. Trusts in general, there's all these different ways of doing things. And unfortunately I don't know exactly what you're going to be offering your members, but again, where we've seen these fail is we've seen them where a guy tells all his members he's a chiropractor and he never went to chiropractic school or they're a church, but they really don't have church services and they use the money for personal endearment, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, with Miller, he had a larger association. They got him on labeling stuff and, and that sort of thing. And they, you know, he had Robert Barnes, who was a really good attorney. They were able to squash things in court. And then the, the local government decided to come back around and say, guess what? We don't care. We're just going to do what we want. And this is where we need to start building that parallel economy like he was doing, you know, Amos. And, you know, having it where we could have 10,000 people turn around and be like, yeah, no, no, we're still going to buy from him. And there's there's nothing you can do with it because really the only thing that they can do to us is, is cause uh, discomfort or pain. They have that one thing where, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to go to jail. Hey, if you don't pay this fine, you're going to go to jail. They only have this one tool to really threaten us with. And if there's too many of us, then they they really can't use that. Now, uh, that being said, um, I, I would definitely, you know, uh, you know, Freddie, if you're listening to this, talk to one of the ladies over at the PMA Manifesto or myself and, and give us a little bit more details on what you're looking to do and what exactly you're looking to offer people. Um, so this comes from Michael uh, from the manifesto group. Also, uh, he says, just asking basic stats. Um, it's kind of a weird message. PMA, number of PMAs filed, number of PMAs taken to court, number of discharges, number of discharged PMAs, refused at county, state, federal levels, stuff like that. Just learning questions. Uh, 325 members active. Okay, so um, 
a lot of hashtags or pound signs as we used to call them. So uh, I don't know how many uh, PMAs are out there. I don't know uh, how many have been taken to court, the ones that do go to court and win. You really don't see that stuff anywhere. It gets buried um, unless it's a really large case like Amos. And even that stuff's kind of hard to find sometimes. Uh, I don't know how many discharges or anything like that. What I can tell you from my own personal experience being here in Connecticut, we've had a lot of uh, education associations or ministries that have been challenged and state has come and knocked and you know the eoc comes in and does their uh does their so-called investigation and stuff like that and so far in connecticut we haven't lost at all uh, we've done very good because there are certain statutes that we can utilize in our favor this also is um Connecticut is one, I think it's six other states. I did a video a while back on the other ones that have very open religious freedoms as far as educating your members' children and that sort of thing. So as long as you're a religious organization here in Connecticut and you're not providing education to the general public and only your members' children and your members know that you are not licensed through the early um, childhood uh, uh, early childhood licensing or uh, education licensing department, whatever the heck they're called, uh, then you are okay to operate and they can't really do anything. You're exempt from a lot of stuff. Now, it's not like that everywhere. Like I said, there's like five other states, certain states like uh, state of Hawaii. Uh, they give a lot of pushback there. Um, and again, depends on how deep your pockets are and what type of ways you want to fight, whether you want to fight on right of association, freedom of religion. But you know, in Hawaii, if you're teaching the native language, then you are exempt from licensing, but you still have to be filed with the state so they know you exist. So if they get a complaint, they can say, yes, we know they're exempt from licensing and you know, they can basically keep tabs on you. I think uh, Indiana, I think is the other place I'm helping somebody right now. Uh, they have had one hell of a case out there. Uh, kind of similar, but their stuff is really wacky. Like they have to be approved through Homeland Security to be a exempt uh, from licensing for uh, child education for uh, ministries or churches or anything like that. So it really depends on where you are. And again, the more of these associations that we have pop up, the more the people get together for the right of association for that common goal will have less uh, you know, they'll have less they can they can push on us because we'll have those parallel economies and those parallel um, uh, uh, groups uh, moving forward and stuff like that. And, you know, like I said yesterday, it's kind of like running your own little, um, you know, micro America where you're a republic and you have your constitution, your bylaws and your articles of organization. And you're working together for that common goal to live that free life, to have that liberty and not have to worry about the tyrannical government breathing down your neck. And that's why I say, you know, use silver, use gold, use cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Monero, that sort of thing. Uh, straight up cash is always good too. That's the less that they know about. You know, we're so quick to pull out our debit cards. And, you know, if I'm using a debit card, it's going to be my fold card anyways, because then I get sats back for purchases I would normally make anyways. Like today, I, I did a $100 gift card I purchased for Amazon because I had to get some stuff off of Amazon. And I got 4,000 sats back and that's, you know, sats aren't worth a lot right now, but as there's less and less Bitcoin, those sats are going to go up because they're micro parts of a, of a coin. And anyways, you know, I think that if, if people aren't using these alternative, whether it's uh, the parallel pay system through Gab or if it's, you know, Liberty Dollar, straight up silver, you're exchanging it yourselves uh, or if you're using, you know, lightning payments, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I think that you you really need to kind of open up and look at all the opportunity that you, that you could be missing out and ways to keep things more private. So um, when it says, uh, you know, uh, being um, filed, uh, PMAs aren't filed anywhere, Michael, if, if you're new to all this stuff, they are private documents, your constitution, bylaws, articles of organization, whatever you'd like to call them, your membership agreement, that's all for you and your association. And the only time those documents come out really is when somebody's being challenged about the, um, about the validity of their association. So there's no way, I mean, you could go online and look for associations you might find some here and there um, i'm still working on a list that i've kind of put on the back burner of associations because i think it would be great to be able to log on to the website or the telegram group and say hey oh these are the associations in my area i'm going to try to break them up by state and then you can figure out how close they are to you based on where your state is so uh another question we have here is by uh and it is uh i went to my uh 
County Appraisal District and explained that we will be transferring our property to our church PMA. It's either a church or a PMA. It's not both. Uh, I'm guessing your documents say church ministry or ministry church, uh, private association, something like that. And uh, if they do, please give one of us a call because those documents need to get uh, fixed. They keep saying that they need a letter from the IRS on file for them to amend the tax record. Any thoughts on how to respond to this? So, first of all, um, I, you know, if you could reach out to the IRS if you wanted to see if they will give you any type of uh, documentation, um, they may not. Uh, other than that, I would go in with the uh, tax code and show them, like, listen, we are a church, we fall into the 508C1A tax code based on these 14 points to the IRS to show that we're a bona fide church. What exactly do you need? And maybe it's something that the, the church can can write up. You know, they're saying they need a letter from the IRS. Well, what is this letter? Is it a tax exempt letter? Because if it is, you don't need one because you're automatically tax exempt as a religious organization, um, as a church under the IRS 508C1A tax code. So um, that's how I would respond to that. There are other ways of going about getting a tax exempt letter. You can file your organization uh, your church in the state of Washington, and they will, I think it's like 25 or 30 bucks, will send out um, a verified copy that you are a tax-exempt organization, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, I don't know if that's necessary. I think just explaining to them, uh, and don't call yourself a PMA, please. You're either a church or an association, one of the two. Um, so just make sure that when you're talking with them, you say, listen, we are a church. We meet regularly. Here's what the IRS refers to as a tax-exempt church under the 508C1A tax code. You can show it to them. You can print it out. You can bring it in and be like, we are not even on file with the IRS because we are exempt because we are a religious organization. Most churches don't do that, so they're going to probably be a little confused. The time I have to look into it, but there's no reason why the church can't hold property just like the Vatican holds a ton of property, right? So hopefully that answers your question. And, um, let me just see if we got anything in the uh, chat. No, nothing in the chat. I'm not going to pull up Facebook right now. If there's anything in there, I will get over there and uh, I will uh, answer those questions. Let's see. Uh, on Facebook, uh, YouTube here, on the YouTube channel, are is there any uh, anyone in Montana I can speak with in person, specifically in Billings, Montana? I don't know if there is. Uh, this looks like D. Cook, if I got that right. Cock 45, maybe. Um, sorry, this was 10 days ago, 10 days ago, and I haven't answered it, but I will uh, reply online also. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's anybody in um Montana. You can feel free to do a video call with me if you want, if you're more comfortable with that than just a regular phone conversation. But um, again, I don't know if there's anybody specifically in the Montana area. Uh, we did have one contact. I don't think she's doing anything with associations right now. Um, she's got some other things going on. Uh, let's see here. I came for the Death Star attack plans. Not sure what this has to do with overthrowing the Empire. Uh, this is from, uh, I can't even read that name. It's pretty, I don't even, it's like gibberish almost. Uh, anyways, uh, so, um, yeah, uh, we are not trying to overthrow the Empire. Not yet, anyways. Uh, but, uh, I can provide you plans to Death Star. I know uh, Rebel Alliance might be a little confusing for all the Star Wars fans out there. Um, let's see here. Uh, Erica will never defect West Coast life. That is true, Salam. <laughs> Thanks for uh, putting that out there. Uh, I'd like to know more about PMAs for farmers. This is from Christy Yohara. 1619. So yeah, PMAs can definitely be set up for farms and, you know, uh, the association can, you know, work with local uh, members that want to understand more about the farming lifestyle and how to, you know, do uh, regenerative agricultural uh, type stuff. So you could definitely set one up. I don't know if you have a specific question about farms and associations, but you could definitely do something like that. Uh, power outages. Uh, let's see. Um, that's pretty much it. Just a couple of comments of people saying, you know, the weather and stuff like that. Um, so hopefully, um, this helped people today. Thanks for uh, sticking around. I don't have any other questions. All right. I will jump into the, the Facebook group real quick. Let me just see if there's anything going on over there. Um, any more questions or anything like that? 
if my web browser wants to work here. Let's see. Uh, nothing. Uh, nothing right now on East Coast PMA. Let me check the PMA manifesto if I can get over there. Uh, let's see. Come on. And uh, again, uh, you know, if you are not part of the PMA manifesto group, uh, definitely uh, get over there so we can get you in. And nothing over there either. So that being said, um, uh, all right. So here's a great question uh, from a Facebook user. Oh, cool! Facebook does pop up up here. I did not know that. That's the first one we've gotten. Thank you for watching. Do private associations need things like liquor license? So. Um, I'm going to tell you what I think. Personally, no. Uh, I don't think that you should be required to have a liquor license. We have done things uh, with Liberty House where we had sold beer and hard cider, and it was part of our fall festival a few years back, and we did not pull a permit or a one-day permit or anything like that. Now, that being said, is that the correct way to do it where you're not going to get in trouble? No. If you are running an association and you are going to um, be having an event for one day, I need to advise you to, to, to pull that liquor license for the one day if you're doing something like that. If you're going to be doing something that's more long term, then apply for it. You know, you'll hear people say, well, there's these dry counties in Texas where they have drinking clubs. Yes, that is true. But those drinking clubs are still on file with the local town. They know they exist. So um, I don't know what area you're in or where you're from. So you'd have to do a little bit more research on that. Um, personally, uh, like I said, we didn't pull one. But again, that was my my risk or comfort level that I was willing to, to go with because we were one on private property. We, you know, we were only open to members. We, you know, we didn't even pull a permit for the food truck that came, you know, it's that sort of thing. So again, it really depends on where you are, what your risk level's at. Um, but I would say to be safe, you know, rather be safe than sorry. If you're really not quite sure how associations work in your area, if you're not really quite sure on the laws, then I would say, yes, get yourself a liquor license, a liquor permit for that one day event or whatever it is that you're looking to do. Um, but again, I can't say that that's what I did because we did things a little bit differently. But again, I don't want to give you uh, bad information because people are going to hear, well, he didn't pull one, so I don't need to pull one. And then somebody's going to be emailing me, hey, man, uh, you didn't pull a liquor license. We didn't. We got in trouble. We got fined. And I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying what we did is that's how we did it. And it worked for us. But again, it, each individual person is going to have different Um Let's see here. Uh, all right. So, uh, all right. Tennessee, also in a state where the state sanctioned gaming is legal. Could games of chance be legal? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have, like, if as long as you're not doing something like, what was that movie, Boiler Room, where they had, like, you know, the illegal casino. If I read that right, um, gaming is legal. Yeah, sanctioned gaming is legal. I guess if you're doing it between you and your members, like if you have a Texas Hold'em tournament with your members, you know, once a month or every week, again, it's between you and your members and a fence post. It's not open to the general public. You have an intimate association. You're not, you know, running a full-blown casino. Then I, I personally don't see issues with that. Would it be challenged? Probably. Would you get a cease and desist? More than likely if the word was out on the street that, hey, you know, this association does roulette blackjack and texas hold'em then that's a different story like i go to a campground you know we went to the campground a few years ago um we went this past summer when i detached the retina in my eye but they do a poker night and so my son who's 16 we went we played poker he did pretty good you know we we bought in our ante there was money awarded but again it's still that it's it was in that gated community of that that uh that campground so it's not like Every time they can Harry off the street and come in and play uh, those those games. So yeah, I guess it really depends. Um, oh, state lottery only. Okay, so um, again, I, I personally I don't see a problem with it. You might be challenged. I'm guessing if the word on the street was that you were running a underground speakeasy 
casino, that sort of thing, and bootlegging. Uh, but again, it's your risk tolerance, whatever you're comfortable doing. I don't see why if you have an association, you have a game night and people come together. Now, you're going to have to have a reason for association other than, you know, gambling. Uh, I personally would think there needs to be something else there. But within that group, there's no reason why you can't get together and say, hey, we're having a game night. We're going to do some blackjack or we're going to have Texas Hold'em, that sort of thing. I don't know at what level you're looking at. If you're looking to like run like a bar or something, that might be a completely different topic and and, and story. Uh, so, but thank you for the questions. I do appreciate it. Uh, again, uh, I don't know if that helps any, but um, you know, uh, again, one of the things that you're going to see online is people talking about you know, hey, if you have an association, you can have a drinking club, you can pay a dollar to be a drinking club, sign their membership agreement, and you can get a beer. Yes, that is true. But those places are still, like I said, on file. And I believe we cover that in the PMA manifesto, or maybe we covered that in one of our calls where we basically debunked that and said, yeah, there's a certain extent of it is true. But again, the, these people online want to cherry pick what they want to talk about, and they want to bring up these selling points like oh hey if you have this you can do that you can do this now i just told you we did something very similar we had a one-day event we didn't pull a one-day liquor license or anything like that we were meeting with our members we were on private property we weren't open to the public we have an intimate association all at that point it was yeah it was still intimate i don't think we had over 200 people come through the day of members but again those are what we felt comfortable doing. That may not be for everybody. And I would advise you that if you are kind of new to this, or maybe you're using a, a public place, or you know, maybe you're you're renting a hall somewhere, then or wherever you're doing it, then you know error on the side of caution and get that that one day permit or something like that. So hopefully that answers your questions. Wow, we are coming up on 51 minutes today. That is another long one, two days in a row. I guess I'm making up for lost time over this last week. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. Thank you all for watching. There's no other questions. So we are going to close up shop today. I will see you tomorrow roughly around the same time. So keep an eye out in the Telegram group, Facebook group. Uh, I will put it as a on the YouTube channel as a comment in the uh, section where we can leave notices, a community section, I think is what it's called. So feel free to you know jump in there and, and check for tomorrow. But we should be uh, up and around at the same time talking more about associations and maybe a little bit about planting and getting your garden started because right now is when that stuff should have been done. Like I'm pushing today to get my seed started. So. Uh, until tomorrow, thank you everybody for watching and listening to the Rebel Alliance podcast. Tomorrow will be episode 61, and I will see you then. Peace. Uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that.